what are those hesitations that they have or the reasons that they're saying, I can't do this? And how can you truthfully and without telling people how to think, help them reframe that? Hey everyone, I'm Emily Reagan, and you've discovered Unicorns Unite. This is a podcast for freelancers, service providers, virtual assistants, and curious listeners who would like to experience the freedom and flexibility of working virtually. We're the magic makers, movers and shakers, and the real people doing the work behind the scenes of online businesses. Welcome to Unicorns Unite. Hey, before we jump into the episode, I thought you might be interested in this. Tax attorney Raiden Drake, who you've heard here on my show, is offering his entire contract vault for only $30. That means you can save big moolah in legal fees and snatch up his client services agreement for your freelance business. Brayden's contract vault comes with an in-depth explanation of payment terms and legalese. It's everything you need to know about contracts to protect yourself and look professional. Grab it in the show notes below. It's the best product out there, and I knew you'd want it. Okay, let's jump into the show. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, Emily Reagan. I am in the middle of a huge launch series. So if you haven't listened to the last two episodes that released, everything is relating to launching and no different from today. So go check out those other episodes about how to become a launch manager and pre-launch strategy with Brenna McGowan. Today's episode is going to be a juicy one, and I know it is longer than most, I thought about breaking up into two sections, and then here's the real thing. You're a big girl. You're a big boy. You can listen. If you're really that motivated and into launching, you will soak it up. You can listen on 1.5 speed, whatever you got to do. The fact of the matter is today's episode has so much good content in it that you need to know when you're going to help your clients with launching. Today, I have Brittany McBean, a launch strategist and conversion writer who specializes in the anti-sleazy ethical, high-converting copy for course creators and educators, the same clients that we're helping as digital marketing assistants. Brittany has worked for some big names like Rick Mulready and has run six- and seven-figure launches and funnels with clear messaging and ethical marketing. And today, we're going to get into that and what all of that means so you can be aware and help guide your clients through these launches, especially in those moments when I know they're going to be tempted to copy other people. They're going to be tempted to do what the big bros tell them to do when it comes to launching and selling. But ultimately, they need to be aligned with themselves and use selling tactics that are aligned with their mission and their core values. Brittany is going to share the six emails you need in every launch. So you'll want to use these six emails in your promotion once the cart is open. Now, I encourage you to go back and listen to the other episode with Brenna McGowan the week before because we talked about pre-launch and that is different than what Brittany is talking about today. So while you're here, go ahead and hit subscribe so you don't miss our future episodes in this launch series. So here's the deal. I've been working behind the scenes for 13 years. I transitioned my PR skills, my journalism background into online freelance marketing. I love the marketing because it combines both sides of my brain, the creative and the analytical, and it provides challenging work that moves with me every time we PCS, as my husband was active duty military for 20 years, although he just recently retired. So now it's great work that I do while my kids are in school. I have four kids, and this work is everything to me. 
So you're in the right place if you want to level up as a digital marketing assistant. I have a course called the Unicorn Digital Marketing Assistant School. We live launch this once a year, but if this is something you know you want to develop these skills and start taking on this freelance marketing work, check it out because pretty soon we're going to be opening the doors to our self-study, self-paced program. But for now, if you're listening to this and you're already involved in launches and marketing, you're doing some of these services for your clients already and your business is set up, I need you to come join us inside the Digital Marketing Workgroup. This is my tight-knit membership community with other freelancers like yourself who are doing the work, who are supporting each other and encouraging each other, keeping each other up to date. And this is where we refer each other. So a big part of the work group is advanced trainings, networking opportunities, and job leads. So if your next question is, where do I find the launch clients? The answer, they're in the work group. So you can apply now. The link is in the podcast description. And just know that we're not opening the doors until later in March. So you can still apply now. And then we'll be going through the application soon. And you'll be allowed in in March. One of the reasons you want to be applying right now, in March, we are going to be having a marketing roundtable all about launching. So you'll get to sit down and have a discussion with other freelancers who are involved in launches and learn from them. Learn what they do during the different phases of launches, get their templates and their debriefs and their checklists. That way you can step into this role. Along with this podcasting series on launching, I have a freebie, The Roadmap to Being a Launch Manager. You can grab that in the link below or go to emilyreaganpr.com slash roadmap. This is going to help you figure out what tasks to get involved right now so you can up-level to being a launch manager without spending $5,000 on a certification course. So yes, I gave you a lot to do. Apply for the work group, grab that freebie. So my goal is Brittany's advice here today is going to help you step up as a launch manager and getting involved in the launches. I learned a lot in the course of the last 10 years of freelancing, watching my clients hire professionals. They would go hire a copywriter. I would get to make the changes to the sales page. I would learn from that copywriter. I've been a part of some pretty big launches and with my own business, I've practiced what I preached Everything I did for my clients, I did for myself and had a $136,000 launch this last live launch. So I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) This is what I want you to know. And also know that this is a field that's always changing. It's ever evolving. There's new tactics and new strategies to stay up to date with. So if you're really geeking out on launching and you want to get more involved, check out my friend Brenda McGowan's Behind the Launch. It's a free audio summit that's happening January 23rd through 27th. You can sign up here in the description. And I am one of 25 marketing experts sharing our big secret to our most recent launch success. So you're going to have 25 different people talking in small, intimate conversations about what worked in their launch. So this is a quick way to get up to speed. This is all content I wish I had had when I was first starting. I can remember my first launch being super, super nervous about it, not understanding all the moving parts, wishing I had some quick way to catch up. And I'm giving you those resources between the work group, the freelancers in the work group, The trainings in the work group, we have an in-depth training about live webinar workshops. We have trainings about ads. We have trainings from all copywriters like Kim Keel and Brennan McGowan. You can absolutely step up into this role. And this podcast is here to help too. It's just the tip of the iceberg. So Brittany today is going to go over the six launch emails so you can see the strengths and weaknesses in your client's copy and point out the holes. Maybe you need to come hire a specialist like Brittany, or maybe this is something that you're interested in that you can start niching down as well. All right, without further ado, let's jump into our episode with Brittany McBean. Brittany McBean. 
Hey, Brittany, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here talking about launching and launching emails. Welcome, welcome. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Tell everyone a little bit about you and how you started, because I love this freelancer pivot story, and I love inspiring our audience with, uh, especially women who are doing one thing in the corporate real world and then have transitioned to a freelance or independent contractor business. Yeah. You know how like you see a lot of white men who are just like doing things and you're like, where did you get this undeserved, unearned confidence? I feel like I've accidentally had that. And that was what made me pivot because, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners have had this experience, but this idea of like finding your thing and being like, I know I don't know anything about this, but I think I'm really good at it. And I think I can do this really well. And it's like, oh, that's because like, this is actually my thing. So I had an crazy career, whatever that, like that circular, like squiggly line, but my degree is in musical theater and I acted professionally for like five years out of college. So nothing to do with any of this, Then I went to work for a theater full-time, like in the education department, then nanny, then like dabbled in drag sales. But that's a whole nother story. And then I just kind of had this idea that I would be a social media coach. And I got into it. And I was like, oh my God, I hate this. I hate social media, but I really liked the messaging and the writing part. So anyway, I ended up having a client who was like, Hey, can I have your website? Like, I think I could do a much better job. So I started calling myself a copywriter and just because I don't think you should always fake it till you make it with when talking about like other people's money, I hired a copywriter to mentor me through that first project and like look over my shoulders to make sure I was like, actually honoring my client's investment. But yeah, it just kind of took off from there. And I really fell in love with the online business space, this launch space, this funnel space. I know it's like kind of the sexy place to be, but I just really, really like this style of business and writing. And so I'm a conversion copywriter. I'm a launch and funnel strategist. And I own a micro agency that's uh, me and a full-time writer doing all of the writing and strategy for my clients. I love your story so much. I think so many of us kind of stumble into this and then it's like having the, like the balls to go for it. Yeah. But like, why not me? Like, why not? Yeah. And so many of my people are, they'll see my course and they say like, well, I don't want to be a social media manager. I'm like, that is not what I teach. Like this is a small component of what's going on. And so many of us like dip our toes in there and realize we also hate it or it's just not something sustainable. Like it Mm -hmm. can be fun to dabble in. So I love that you shared those stepping stones and that's what my audience needs to hear. And that's why we have you on the show to talk about where you are now and give insight in what you know when it comes to launching and the emails we should be writing and help our clients with. But thank you. And you're not the only music theater person in my world too. I have a couple. There's a couple of us. Like there, there's gotta be something, I guess like being extroverted or I mean, not everyone's extroverted, but like feeling comfortable on camera, which isn't even necessarily a requirement. Like I don't do like social media or whatever, but like I think there's some through lines, definitely like storytelling, brand voice, all of that. But it's also like, why musical theater to marketing? Like what? (laughs) You get really comfortable with rejection though, when you're, when you're acting, because you stand in front of people in a leotard and tights and heels and they're judging you and they just say, no, thank you over and over again. And sometimes they're like, yes, please. Until the very end when they're like, no, thank you. So you get really comfortable with rejection, which I think helps. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And I wanted to be the opposite behind the camera telling people what to do, but I did not want to stand in my tights. 
and have to go through that. So this is so funny. Yeah, yeah. Being primarily a dancer, definitely like it, it's a little more exposing. Yes. <laughs> so how how old is your agency now? How long have you been doing this? Yeah, we're in our fourth year. So I started in summer of 2019. And I, I hired administrative support, who the person who's now my integrator started as an OBM and I hired her maybe like nine months into the business. And it was way before I couldn't afford it. And I like, I don't tell people how to send money or like spend it before you can afford it. It was, I have ADHD. I'm very, very, very deficient in organization and systems and structure. And like, I knew I needed that. I really wanted to have a premium business serving premium clients. So anyway, I hired her nine months in and then our first full-time employee in spring of 2020 went from 11,000 total in 2019. Don't be jealous. Like take home 7,000 after <laughs> I have taxes. years like that, girl. I have years like that. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of ADHD, I just realized that my microphone wasn't even anywhere near me. So I apologize if the sound quality just changed, but here we are. Yeah. So we did, I did $11,000, 7K after taxes in 2019. And then we did 185,000 in 2020. So like I know that everybody loves it, like rags to riches story. What that number represents to me is like pure chaos, like absolute chaos. And then we did something similar in 2021 and have grown again in revenue with both the client side of the business and like the product side again this year. And now I have a team of five people. And did you originally help with these launches or did you grow into that as well? That like my clients' launches? Yeah. Yeah. So I've never done anything other than the writing and the strategy. Like I've always been very, very, very clear that like, I do not implement, I do not do design. I will not get into your background. I will not be doing tech. Like, and and I tell my clients, like that is a waste of your money. I am really, really, really good at what I do, but being a copywriter is not being a launch manager. It is not being an admin and it's not being a VA. It's not being an operations assistant. Like it is a different, not better, different skill set, And if you have me touching anything else in your business, I will break it. But also like, that's just a hard boundary for me. Yeah. Oh, that was a great thing we can all use when we have some kind of scope creep. But what about the copywriting? Were you ever doing anything but the launch copy sales pages? Or did did you go through a stage where you were doing blogs? And I know you said you kind of did social, but... No, I never did content. I think as soon as I found out about copywriting, I was like all in and... I don't always know what I do like, but I know what I didn't like. And I was like, "Eh, I don't like this. Like, I want to be attached to ROI. I want to like have data. I want to like see numbers. I want to see, and not even like money, but like results. Like I did this and that resulted in this. So now I know that works. Not like I did this, but like, okay, that's what works. This is what doesn't work rather than like, we wrote a bunch of blogs and then like a year later had a lot of success, but who knows if we can attribute that to blogs. That's an incredible, like, that's a very, very special and incredible skill. I just really loved the copy piece and really wanted to be directly connected to the results and like really, I don't know, almost like gamifying, like how high can we get our clients conversion rates? You know, like really obsessed with that, that data and like, what if we change this? And what if we did, you know, so that's, that's always been very fun for me. I love it. Are you competitive by nature? I am. I, and I also cheat a lot, like not with my work, but like, if I'm playing Uno, I will win a hundred percent of the time, but I'm also like passing the like reverse cards under the table to other people, especially when I'm playing with my four-year-old, like I have to let her win. Sometimes it's bad. Um, yeah, we, do. we actually have to for our sanity. Yeah. Yeah. But 
I definitely don't cheat when we're doing anything launch related because you can't you can't say something you don't mean because it's not a good look and I'm not interested in doing that. But yes, I am very competitive. So I just because of that, this is the funny thing. I have to be competitive with myself and I have to completely like put on blinders every time I come to work because as soon as I pay attention to what somebody else is doing, like the competitive spirit just turns to comparison and it's bad. Like I'm like, what are they doing? Why am I not doing that? I'm not good enough. I should start doing that. I'm like, no, run your race, like focus on your clients, do your thing, trust your instincts, trust your gut. So I try not to be competitive with anything else other than my own numbers and my clients' previous numbers. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because that's definitely something that happens in the online space. And I have to intentionally put my own blinders up, especially if it's, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night and I'm scrolling and it Mm -hmm. will, it will send me to a bad place. And I'm usually pretty good about it because I feel confident in what I'm doing, but this still comes up for all of us. So it's kind of nice. It's kind of refreshing to hear you say that. Yeah. I mean, I'll find myself like criticizing someone else and I'm like, oh, they're not doing anything wrong. I'm just insecure. I should probably, and I don't hate follow. Like that just, that's just a recipe for like, that's just toxic. But I do have a folder where like the people I don't hate follow, like all of their emails go into that. And then when I'm like, what is somebody else doing in this space? What is something I haven't thought of? Is there anything innovative going on? I'll like go into that folder, but I'm not like following, listening, reading on a daily basis, anything that isn't like helping me or the business like grow specifically, if that makes sense. Right. Totally. Totally. So let's talk about this launch space. Cause I know you and I have some opinions about what's going on and how this world is shifting. And then I'm going to tease out of you a couple emails that our digital marketing assistants should be aware of that our clients should be using in yeah. this space. But first let's get into it. I just want to like unleash your thoughts on what's happening right now. So I have a lot of thoughts and opinions and I'm more than happy for other people to not agree with them, but I'm also not interested in changing my ideas without like information and data. I'll kind of share a little bit about why I have the thoughts that I have. So one thing that that is a really, really big part of our process when we're doing strategy and copy is the research. And so in like a 15 week project, we probably spend like six weeks in research and strategy and getting a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of data from my clients audience. So by data, I mean like market research, not like what were your conversion numbers? Like we get all that too, but um, a huge part of what we do is collecting data from the audience um, through surveys, through one-on-one conversations, through cold audience, like data mining, and then analyzing that research, like literally making pie charts out of it. So I spend half of my time in client work, listening to consumers, listening to people's audiences, listening to their voices, their experiences, And what you hear the audience say is so different from what you listeners listening now hear all of the marketers that you follow say. So the marketers that you follow, and I don't don't mean like you, but I mean like the marketers that we follow are saying like urgency and scarcity sells are saying like, when you value stack, people will be so excited that they're able to like make this low of an investment for that much value. When you add on bonuses, people get really excited. And then I hear audiences like, okay. If I like need this bonus, then your course must be shit. Like, why do you need to add this on? Or like, don't pressure me to buy. Like, I'll buy when I decide that I want to. Stop telling me like the card is closing. Or, you know, they see all this social proof and they're like, I bet somebody paid to have that up there. Like our audiences are so jaded. And it's not that like nothing works, it's that they are so on to the tricks. And 
somebody asked me a while ago, because like in the 80s and the 90s, like we could do this like manipulative, fear-based or shame-based marketing. I mean, like, God, look at every woman in the 90s. Like we all thought we had to be like heroin chic to even exist in the world, right? Right. you know, somebody asked me like, oh, do you think, because a lot of the people that I write for are marketers, like teaching marketing, if that makes sense. And so somebody asked me like, oh, is it the marketing audience that's like really tired of this, but the other people aren't? And I was like, that's really interesting. I'm going to pay attention to that. Like, is it the, like the business audience? It's like, oh, I've seen everybody do this and I know the tricks and I, you know, I see how the sausage is made, but the consumers are like, yeah, I want to buy Oakart closes tomorrow. So I really started paying attention to that. And I noticed there's no difference at all the marketing audience, the business audience just has vocabulary for it. So they're oh. saying urgency and scarcity, whereas the other people are like, yeah, like I liked her program, but like she sent me 10 emails telling me that like I had to buy now or I wasn't going to succeed. And that's like, ew, no, I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? So what is not working are the gimmicks and the tricks and the things that we use to manipulate. And if you look at the six persuasion principles that Robert Cialdini talks about in his book um, called Influence. And if you look at what's being taught from the very, very top, every single one of those strategies are based on emotionally manipulating someone into a buying decision, even if it is right for them. And sometimes it results in sales. A lot of times it results in a lot of refund request rates. But what people are really interested is, is just information and just I hate to say transparency because that's become such a buzzword. And you'll notice I haven't said ethical marketing because like, yes, that sounds great. But the way we talk about it and it's now become the new bro marketing, it's just like replace everyone's like do ethical marketing. And it's like, well, you're still manipulating. You're just manipulating because you think everyone's an SJW, which like whatever they should be. But anyway, they shouldn't be manipulating, but like actual conversations and and honesty and telling people when they're not right for something and giving people the information they need. If your cart closes, cool amazing. You can tell them this is the last day to do this. And after this date, this will happen. Either the price goes up or this thing isn't available or won't open until this date. Like, but you don't have to do like fast action, act now, countdown timer, five seconds left. What are you going to do? Are you actually going to change your life? Or are you just going to sit on the fence? Like, yeah. So just giving people the information they need to make a confident decision, but allowing them to make the decision that's right for them. And sometimes that's no, and it's not a not right now. Sometimes it's an actual no. And sometimes it is a not right now. And sometimes it's an ap- absolute yes. But I don't know if we can just kind of strip off all of the like man behind the curtain stuff and just like talk with people like they're real humans. Turns out that works better because people wow. are they're jaded and they're not interested and they're they don't they don't buy it. They don't buy it anymore. Well, and I think you nailed it real, real well there that it does result in the wrong people buying and then wanting refunds, not getting through programs, not becoming a success story, which actually hurts your client's business or your business if you're the one launching. So I see that all the time too. And that's like your quality of student client, that matters. It really matters. And people are so chasing the numbers, right? The vanity numbers there. And it's about quality. Well, yeah. And like refund request rates, like that comes out of your profit. So that's not advantageous to anyone. And when you have a bunch of people in your program that aren't right for it, like you don't have the case studies, you don't have the testimonial, you don't have the social proof to tell someone, Hey, don't listen to me. Listen to this person. You know, that's a big part of marketing too. Oh my gosh. Yes. Did I tell you what I did with my launch? I can't remember if we talked about it. 
we've talked about it, but I yeah. tell me specifically. Okay. Yeah. Let me tell you what I did with my launch. I did an info session and I just said, this feels right. I get people who are very early on who just need more time and more yeah. education. So I did an info session. I had nothing ready. I didn't even have my private podcast ready. I had no sales page. I didn't have early enrollment. And I just educated people. I'm like, this is what a VA does. This mm-hmm. is what can happen. These are your options. Raise your hand if you think you might want to work with me down the line. And I had... It was easy to, I did run ads to that. It was easy to get people to sign up for it because yeah. it was so beginner level. And then out of that, I had a hundred people raise their hand and say, yes, I want to know more. And I want the people who want to learn to be an admin VA to go this way. Like, yeah. Oh, like they just gave you consent. Like yeah, this is your path. Yeah. I am not your person. And then yeah. I had such good feedback about that. And it wasn't any kind of like master plan or manipulation on my part. I just knew this is the information I would have needed. And I also would have needed time. This is a big investment. This is a career change. And it worked. It worked really well. And I was so in the weeds with my launch. I didn't even have like a master plan of follow-up. They kind of just went right into my, you know, pre-launch, which... It was like content, you know, educating and encouraging them. I think they went into the pre-launch week, which did have some transformation stories and people from different backgrounds, but I loved it. It felt so authentic to me. And I'm like, why is nobody doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's really interesting. We just wrapped up a launch two days ago and a program I teach copywriters, like business um, strategies for building a premium copywriting business, like people who want to be high ticket copywriters. And I've launched it live three times in the past. And each time it was cohort style. So there was a true cart open, cart close because there was a true start and end date to the program and in that cohort. And we decided that it was like a much better fit for the students to actually make it a 12 month program and to also make it open enrollment because like a lot of people are at different places anyway. Like it's not this like start to finish, like step one, step two kind of thing. So we did a launch really like open up this open enrollment thing and, but like have a week of promotional pricing. Cause we were just figuring, just testing out pricing stuff. And, um, it's a $6,000 program for a year, which like compared to a lot of masterminds, that's not super high, but that is a significant investment. I mean, $500 a month is significant. It's also specifically for someone who is at an intermediate level in their business. Like it's not for beginners. So that was very intentional because I don't want people who aren't ready for it yet. Anyway, we finished this launch and the whole time I was telling people like, this isn't going anywhere. This isn't a cart close. Like it's just going from 500 a month to 600 a month after this week, you know, but even that I was like, I don't feel good about this. Like, I don't want to ask someone if they weren't planning on it, saving for it, budgeting for it to make a $6,000 buying decision in a week, you know? And like, we had incredible people join and I'm really excited for those people. But I also was like, I don't like this. Like next time, if we do another promotion for it, like it's going to be a lot longer and it's going to be like, Hey, here's a heads up and here's the price. And there are no surprises. And I'm going to be like, let's do a free coaching call. So you can see what it's like. Here's an entire module. So you can see if it's for you, you know, like I feel good about the messaging and everything else behind our launch, but also like and even on the webinar, I was like, hey, I don't have a fast action bonus. Please don't make a $6,000 decision in 15 minutes. That's wildly irresponsible. Like, please wait until the last day if that's what you need. Um, no way. Wow. That's yeah. pretty revolutionary in the webinar launching. No, I think it's I think it's gross to ask people to make quick buying decisions because it's just impulse. It Like, yeah. asking someone to make a decision based on adrenaline, I think, is, is really 
gross. <laughs> it's funny. I do do that. But there's other opportunities to get that bonus if you are really hot and bothered, but I feel like people are pretty stoked about that one. But I'm also like, I'm so in the program. I'm so involved. It's right. not like you're not lacking anything, but like I said, there's a way to get me on your calendar many, many times. Right. Right. Way to get my brain on your business. So I don't feel bad about it, but that is an interesting tactic. And I'm going back to what you said about like the audience sophistication and like, they just use different words. Mm -hmm. and It kind of makes me just want to change some of my lingo because I mean, I got the templates and they've evolved over the years and I have templates everyone else did and the same person everyone else learned it from. But even over the years, just to have the confidence to change it all to fit me and I can always work on my speaking, but I'm not a great salesperson. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) It's just like, this is what you get. And I feel good about that. So I don't know. One of the reasons I wanted you here on the show is a lot of our marketing assistants are starting to get involved in these launches and they're seeing a couple of different pathways for themselves and they're dabbling in copy and they're seeing areas that their clients need to be stronger. And I usually have kind of two tracks for my people. One is like the creative, like they Mm -hmm. realize I really like doing this thing. I need to go specialize and do that. And like Mm -hmm. they sampled all the work, they tried out social media. And then there's the people who are probably not you and I, the more systems, the more Uh the people that we need to hire and do hire. And yeah. And and they kind of go this other path where they become the managers. They might be the affiliate or the the launch manager, but Mm -hmm. they still need to know the pieces that go into that success and how you talk to the contractors who are doing the work. Okay. So that was like a long lead in here. So I was like, Brittany, what should we talk about? And I really wanted to get your brain on this selling part and these emails and uh, help set our clients up for success because they're getting these same templates from everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, you recognize them just like I see all the same stock photos everyone's mm-hmm. using. Yep, yep. And I think that kind of goes along with our message of like being able to align it for you and write it for you and your client not feeling pressured to do it a certain way. So let's talk about these emails. Yeah. So pro tip, Always, always, always write your sales page first because the emails can come from the sales page. Like not everything is going to be copy and pasted, but a lot is. And so your sales page, and we're not going to get into this, but just like if you're thinking of order of operations, like the sales page is the hub of the entire launch or funnel. Like all of the messaging comes home on the sales page and then gets dispersed throughout the launch. So if you write your sales page and you don't have to write top to bottom, like I always start with the product part and then go and whatever. Then when you're writing your emails, you can literally pull the copy you've already used and then change it around to be more of an email format or beef it up or like add in a story or whatever. But like the amount of copy and pasting that you can do and should do, it's not about like being lazy. It's like, we need repetition and messaging and people need to hear the same thing multiple times in multiple ways. So what, yeah, when you write your sales page, you've got 65% of your email writing done. Oh my gosh. I love that tip. And I didn't even realize I was doing it throughout the years, but sometimes I was on large teams where they would hire out the sales page and then I would Mm. get to go in there and make the changes and learn from this person. But that's totally what I would find myself doing or like when I do ad services, like I need the ad to match up with the yeah. page. So that's uh-huh. the first place I it's start. just consistency, so, right? Yeah. Like it's a kind of a, like a, a dumb moment right now, but I'm glad you taught everyone that because that gives us the power to where to start. Like what is the Holy Bible? It's the sales That's page. the question is like where to start, right? So sales page there. Yeah. <laughs> 
Hey, it's Emily. I'm interrupting my own show to remind you to go grab my roadmap to becoming a launch manager. Save yourself 5K, skip the project and fancy launch manager certifications. Get your foot in the door with these tasks, doing these roles right now and start leveling up to an elevated and high paying role of launch manager. Plus being a launch manager is really fun. The adrenaline, the culmination of all your work, you're going to love it. Go grab that at emilyreaganpr.com slash roadmap or in the show notes below. All right, back to the show. So emails. So I'm going to give you like six that I think if these are the only six you're writing, you're good. You're going to want to write a lot of emails in your launch. That's just the reality of it. And there's a lot of ways to do that in a way that feels really good. That feels like you're not spamming your people, but like if you write three emails, people are not going to get the information they need. They not are enough. not going to like read everything. They're not going to consume everything. They're not going to actually like digest everything. So, I mean, we just sent out 12 emails over the period of a week, but not everybody got every email. And so what I will say before I even get into these six emails is before you even start sending your emails in the pre-launch, you can segment out your people by letting them know, hey, this is what's coming. This is the name of the program. This is what it is. This is who it's for. This is how much it is, blah, blah, blah. Just like super like little, you know, elevator pitch or whatever, not even just summary. And then saying, if that's not for you, if that doesn't apply to you, if you're not interested, click this, you can opt out here. You won't get any emails about this product. I have a list that is a lot of copywriters and a lot of marketers. And my program is specifically for copywriters. And it's not about copywriting. It's about building a copy business. So like, it is not going to apply to other business owners and marketers. So I'm always like, you will unsubscribe if, because this is spam, because it doesn't apply to you and you don't want it. Like that's the definition of spam. So like opt out here. And then like that link just goes to an opt out tag and it goes to a landing page. It's like, great, got it. You won't get any more emails about this. And then like, you just exclude your opt out tag every single time you send an email. So, and, and every launch email that we send, we have opt out copy at the top, not at the very bottom, not hidden at the very top. It says, Hey, this week I'm going to be sending you this, or we're talking about this, or if you're not a copywriter and you want to hop out like here, you know, you don't want, or if you just want to stalk my launch, cool, stay on. But anyway, so that's how you can not stress about sending so many emails because literally everyone who's opening your emails has given you permission to send them that email. And they have um, the option to get off. And I love this. I teach this inside the Unicorn Digital Marketing Assistant School. That is kind of like the new thing is to put it at the top, make it very clear as day and get people to self-select out. Like it will make everything healthy. It will keep your deliverability rates up and your open rates better too. Yeah. Better conversion rates, which like it might be a vanity metric if it's just like a smaller audience, but like it's dirty data if you're not sending it to the right audience. Like it's not data you can make decisions off of. Okay. So I'm going to give you these six different emails and just kind of like generally what can go in them. And then like, you can ask any follow-up questions because I don't want to just ramble and ramble and ramble. So (laughs) one of the emails you want to send that isn't one of the six is a cart open email, but a couple of these sixes, a couple of these six emails would work well as a cart open email, but obviously you want to let people know that this thing is now available. So one of the emails that I recommend you send, and I recommend you send this early is actually I'm going to pause for a second. I'm going to tell you why I recommend sending this early. People do make decisions emotionally first and then back it up logically. And people who are in an earlier stage of awareness, who are more problem or solution aware, need to see their lived experience reflected back to them, not agitating the pain, but you 
reflecting the problem, you accurately describing the problem because then they know that you know them and they can trust you. And then you giving them the answer to the, or exposing them to the solution, not the product yet, the solution. And then they need exposure to the product and the brand, and then they need more details, right? And so this is how people make buying decisions over time. And like, this is the information they need in that order. So in a launch, we're going to start with some more emotional copy. And I don't mean emotionally manipulative. I mean, reflecting their experience saying like, I see you, I got you maybe putting some vocabulary to experiences they haven't been able to express yet. And then as you get closer to the end of the promotion, it's going to be details. It's going to come down to like, what makes us different than this other program? What differentiates you? How much money? What's included? What templates? What tools? What what are you teaching? So you'll see that a launch sequence typically goes in that order, knowing that like there are going to be people who want to make decision the first email and they just need a couple of details in there, right? So like your buyers aren't monolithic, but just generally, this is kind of how you can structure the information. And so the first email that I really recommend you send is what I like to call a let them off the hook email. And this is like a less lazy, it's not your fault. Because just saying it's not your fault is lazy copy. Write that first. That can be your first draft. That's fine. But then like, let's let's turn that into better copy. But the reality is, if you're solving someone's problem, if they're a aware buyer, if you're in a slightly saturated market, chances are they have tried to solve this problem before with other solutions, whether that is a free app, whether it's a book from Amazon, whether it's a class at the Y, whatever that thing is, or somebody else's course, right? It doesn't have to be a competitor, but they've tried to solve the problem before. If they still have the problem, but we as humans, these little like shame-based, anxiety-filled skin bags often say, I must be the problem. If I can't solve it, if I can't fix it, but all these other people can, I'm the problem. So if that person, if your reader is the problem, then I don't care how fucking incredible your product is. If they are the problem, it doesn't matter. So we have to give them information, not manipulate them, not tell them that they're having a limiting belief, give them new context and information to say, it's actually not your fault. You have to let them off the hook. So like, for example, with my launch, just to like be really concrete, like I always tell copywriters, like you don't have to have, and I, I thought that this was true. I thought that you had to be famous to get famous and we're not going for fame here, but just, you know what I mean? That's what we always think. Or like, I thought you had to like work with a big name person to even be able to charge. I thought you had to have this incredible case study to be able to charge the 10, $20,000 that, that I charge. And what I learned is the people at the quote unquote top, the copywriters at the top were not exceptional writers. We're, we're really, really good writers. And I'm not bashing anyone. I'm including myself in this. We don't have these magnetic personalities that no one else could ever have. We don't have a lot of us do have a lot of privilege, but like it wasn't necessarily that we had access to all of this information that nobody else had. It literally was that we're able to provide a premium experience to a client that signified, I am a high quality copywriter worth a high ticket price, right? And so that's something that I tell my copywriters is like, it's not that like, you're not famous, so you can't get famous, or you're not charging a high ticket, so you can't ever charge a high ticket, or you're not fill in the blank influencer copywriter, so you're never going to be. It's that your business doesn't have the systems that you need. You have the talent that you need. The most successful business owners are not the most talented, usually. Yes. Business strategy is different, right? So that's a way of saying like, 
you've never had the strategies before. No one has ever given you the strategies. No one has helped you understand that you already have the creative skill that you need. You do need to have creative skill, but you have that, right? So like that, let them off the hook email. It's not saying it's not your fault. It's saying there is context that maybe you haven't been made aware of that once you know, you are now freed up to try a different solution because now success is possible because you're already qualified for success. So whatever that thing is for your readers, if you can just let them off the hook, just whatever that is, it's like, it's not you, it's it's blank, it's them. It's And I love blaming a good system. Like blame the man, <laughs> like damn the man, like whatever you have to do. The patriarchy, great scapegoat. I mean, and honestly, it usually is like capitalism, yeah. patriarchy, like you're a person of color, you're disadvantaged, you have had less resources, whatever that thing is like, and also just to be super clear, there were commas in between there. I was not saying people of color are disadvantaged, but there are a lot of outlying circumstances yeah. that often kind of keep a boot on someone's head and context can't always fix life circumstances that put some challenges in people's way, but it sure as heck can like free them up to try something again without the assumption that they're going to fail. So yeah. that's email number one that I would recommend sending. Want me to keep going? I do. I do. And I think that leads you right into email number two for sure. Cool. Okay. So the next one is belief shift. So this is similar in the sense that like you're giving them more information to help show them that something that they believe to be true isn't necessarily true. Now I want to put an asterisk here because, and it's fine if like this doesn't resonate with everyone, if not everyone believes this, but like, I do not speak to limiting beliefs. I don't believe that they're a thing. I think that yes, a lot of people have confidence issues or or challenges feeling really confident. And there are a lot of ways of thinking about approaching something that can change the outcome. But I do not believe that like mindset is magical. I don't believe that you can manifest results. And a lot of the people who are saying that are people are white, cisgendered, heterosexual men and women who don't understand that like life is legitimately harder for other people and that there are a lot of biases that work in our favor and a lot of biases that work against other people who are equally, if not more talented and working twice as hard and getting less results. So speaking to limiting beliefs, especially limiting beliefs that are actually life circumstances, I think is incredibly disrespectful. And I would even say is like borderline abusive in the marketing space. So I'm not interested in telling someone that their real life circumstance, whether it's a neurodivergence, whether it's a intellectual disability, whether it's a sick parent at home, whether it's young children at home, whatever that guardrail is for their life is a mindset issue that's preventing them from accomplishing something. I don't write that in my copy. I don't like reading it. And I'll tell you, I talk to a lot of people who hate that stuff too. But if somebody has a misconception about the industry, or the solution, or the outcome, or the success, or whatever, that you can say, it's actually, let me reframe that for you, right? Let me yeah. reframe that. So like, for example, again, with my program, a lot of service providers who want to serve high-ticket clients at high-ticket prices are spending time on social media. And so what I tell them is like, if that's fun for you, if that's life-giving, if you love making reels, if that's a creative outlet, please keep doing it. But what I need you to know is you see all of these other copywriters on social media and with podcasts and YouTube channels and whatever whatever that thing is, all that content, and they don't tell you that it's for their scalable offers. That's not where clients come from. So if you have this idea that you have to have 
a dynamic personality and be able to dance and show up on video and have hours and hours and hours and hours and hours making content to get premium clients, the truth is premium clients do not come from content because they're not scrolling social media to find that nope. copywriter who they've budgeted $30,000 for, right? And so it's nope. like, hey, let me just like give you some more context that maybe you didn't have that maybe with this understanding, things could be different. So it's almost like that let them off the hook, but it's just like, yeah. what are those hesitations that they have or the reasons that they're saying, I can't do this? And how can you truthfully and without telling people how to think, help them reframe that? Maybe yeah. instead of X, it's Y. Maybe what you haven't seen is that this is what's actually going on behind the scenes. Maybe you don't know that it's this, right? And so it's just helping them shift that belief that they have, that thing that is telling them, you're still not good enough to do this and saying, maybe with this information, that changes for you. So I'm so glad you brought this up because I just came from a retreat where that person is that you're probably referring to who I have respect for. And then I'm like, but why do I have to do NLP and tapping to convince someone to be a social media. First of all, NLP is hypnosis. And if somebody doesn't know that you are hypnotizing them, (laughs) you are so fucking out of line. Like that. I cannot. I one one of my competitors, she's not a direct competitor. And I mean, she's an acquaintance, a friend, Mm -hmm. like we're not even the same, but when I found out she did this in her pre-launch, I was just kind of like, what the F here? I don't want to have to convince someone to believe in themselves just to buy my course. So it all felt wrong, which is why I was Mm -hmm. excited to have this conversation with you. But I did this post-launch survey, just asking people, you know, and I did a lot of like ICA research ahead of time. And Mm -hmm. one thing that came up in my survey was, oh, I need a certification. And I I kept, I'm just trying to give an example of this like misconception, Mm. a marketing assistant, I have to have a four-year marketing degree, which is all theory and no application anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like memorizing vocabulary words in your marketing 101 class. Right. Right. You've been there, done that. It did not help you be employable. And then the certification was like crap. So like I have to have, and I did have an email talking about this. And what's funny, just to tie it in what you said earlier, is even though I talked about it, I still had people like not read it, see it, get it. And, you know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. that's why you have to like repeat yourself a lot. So I just thought that was interesting. But like that is a misconception. We're not convincing someone to, I don't know, believe in themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say this felt really icky, exactly what you just said, but I did it anyway. And like, if anyone is teaching you not to trust your gut, like run far away, especially as a woman, especially if you are like someone in a marginalized community, like if you are being gaslit into not trusting your gut, they are wrong. But we always assume, well, the super successful person told me to do it feels gross when I do it, but I'm the problem. Not like if it feels gross, it is just period, end of story. And like research shows, like we didn't have this research in the fifties and the eighties when all these like marketing techniques were kind of codified for the first time. But like research shows that the more persuasive you are, the more directive you are, the more you try to tell people and convince them what to do, the more resistant they are to make a change. The wall goes up, your sales go down, the transformations stop occurring. So the more you can say, you have all the autonomy, the ball is in your court. Here's some information that might be helpful to you. What else do you need to know? These are other people that have had success. This is what, like, that is what opens up the possibility for someone to make a change decision. Being directive, persuasive, convincing does not. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's get into email. I feel like email three and four are going to be pretty self-explanatory, yeah. but yeah, go over those real quick. Yeah. And so I would say emails one, two, and three, any of these can be your card open email and just okay. what you want to include in the card open email is, is the details that they would know to start framing their decision. Like just the summary of what's included, what this actually is. Is it a course? Is it a mentorship program? Is it, and like also understanding if your audience has never taken an online course before, like they don't know what that means. So you're going to need to explain it, right? What is the price? How long is it available? How long does it go for? Just like the information, right? So you just want to make sure that you're including that in one of the, those emails. So the third email, this is definitely more detail related. So this can go at the beginning of a launch when you want those people who just make really fast, confident decisions. They just need the information or it can go at the end of the launch for the people who are still seeking more details. So this is the product tour. It literally is the walkthrough of your offer. So now we're getting into like the details of what's included. I'm sure you've heard to focus on benefits over features. Please do not list everything in your program. Find out what matters to your audience. List those things. Do they really, really need shortcuts? Are they really struggling with one specific thing? Great. Tell them that one template that's in there and be like templates like this template and this template, because I know those are your favorites, right? This training, which teaches you blah, 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 so that you can do blah, blah, blah. And you don't have to use module one, module two. You can make it step one. You can just be like, these are the general categories, right? But you want to walk them through what their experience will actually look like. Is it purely DIY? What are they going to be learning? What tools and resources are they going to have? Are they going to have some extra support, mentorship, ability to ask questions, whatever these things are, but you just want to give them the information. And I will say, write your product on your sales page, copy and paste it in your email, and then like trim a quarter of it out, just whatever. So, well, depending, I mean, if if your product tour is like 2000 words, like take out 500 words. If your product tour is a thousand words, leave it all in. Right. But you just want to let people know what's in there. So that can go at the beginning or the end of a launch, test out what works best for your audience. I have worked with plenty of people who work with people who are like aggressive decision makers and they have been saving for this investment. They know like, that's who I want to work with. And they just need to see that information. Like card is open, details, great, boom, done. If that's not your audience, maybe that one doesn't go up at the front, but you still need to let them know what it is you're selling. That's me. And Mm -hmm. I do put mine pretty close up there, but if I feel like if you've been doing a a good warm up and a pre-launch and you've had a wait list, like I feel like that could be a great, but that I like how you explain that it hits a different type of personality yeah. who the other people are, you know, might be just need some yeah. time or a little slower pace. They're a little bit more relational and emotional. So yeah, you just don't want people at the beginning of the launch asking, what is this? You know what I mean? Like you just need to be able, like, even if it's like, I'm inviting you to join blah, 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 the all in one program that has everything you need with the templates and swipes to do X, Y, Z, like great, whatever. And like, again, if they know what mastermind means and you don't need to explain it, if they don't, then you need to explain it. You know what I mean? But like, as long as somebody is asking the question, what is this? You're good. You don't have to put all the details right off the bat if that doesn't work for your audience. Okay, cool. So the next email I call the feature focus. This could be something like a bonus email. I actually don't do bonuses in my launch or my clients' launches. Um, Well, not in the way that it's taught. I don't do disappearing bonuses like fast action, act now, because I want to everything included in the offer to be things that are valuable to their success. So what I do with my clients and with my launches is stacking bonuses where everybody is going to get everything at the end of the day, but we are calling out specific features to really intentionally draw their attention to something that I know is going to be super sexy for them. 
So for me, bonuses are about a positioning thing. It's about magnifying, calling their attention to something that might get lost in a product tour if they're just skimming. It's not about like, ooh, if you miss this, like it's not going to be as good. But if you buy now, you're going to get this thing. So like, we'll just stack them and we can say, I'm adding this thing on, but like everybody's going to get it right at the end of it. So anyway, so feature focus, like in your market research, what are the things that people are saying, I really need this. I haven't been able to find this thing everywhere. If I could just have blank, I'm really struggling with blank, but you actually have blank in your program or you in your um, onboarding survey, please have an onboarding survey. And you just ask them like, what's the thing you're most excited about now that you're inside? That's the number one feature that they're the most excited about. Use those features and call them out in your emails. And so you're saying like, we have everything you need to do, blah, 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 including this one workshop where you're going to learn how to do X, Y, and Z and not just learn it, but you're going to get this template and you're going to get this SOP or I'm, I'm just, sorry, I'm coming right off of my launch. So I have like all of these like, <laughs> business stuff and I'm not it, thinking. It relates to mine. So I love yeah. it. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I'm, I'm just not thinking very creative. But usually I'm like, Ooh, like I'm working with like an astrology client right now. And yeah. it's, you know what I mean? There's like yeah. all these like amazing, weird, better examples. Incredible things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just being very narrow-minded. And I don't know. My audience is going to like the SOP example. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. So yeah, so it's about like calling out a feature that is either going to help someone who's like, I can't do this because I don't have X or help someone be like, I haven't found that anywhere. Or you know what I mean? It's like those things that they would be really excited about. So like, you don't need to list your 20 templates and you don't need to list every single training. But if there is a training or a workshop that people, not only your case studies, because if people are saying this was the most amazing thing after they've bought, that's a post-purchase, post-transformation thing. That may not make sense in your marketing because that's not what the people who haven't bought yet are looking for. Yeah, You're going to have your trainings that people are like, this changed my fucking world. And no one is going to be looking for that when they're buying, right? Oh my God, that is like the best tip. And I'm like, cannot wait to go check out my survey and see if I even have that question. Like, I don't even know if I have that question. Yeah. What are you most excited about? What do you want to do for, what do you want to do first? What are you going to go watch first? What are you going to grab first? What are you going to use first? I, I mean, I'm going to bet on myself that I have something similar, but not with the like a strategy behind it. So, and if you cool. don't have a program where like an onboarding survey makes sense, you embed it in the thank you page. Okay. Congratulations. You have this thing. Now that you have this, what's the first thing you're going to dive into? You just use like type form and embed it on the thank you page. So yeah. So your feature focus, you can totally use it for bonuses. If you have fast action bonuses or disappearing bonuses, it's totally fine. Like I'm not here to like shit on everybody and everything and make you feel terrible. (laughs) Well, I don't. So I'm very glad. I'm like, I don't have time for that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's (laughs) it's okay if you do. And like, whatever, do your thing. I just do stacking bonuses. And like, I'll tell you from a messaging and positioning standpoint, it doesn't make any I haven't seen a significant change from when we used to do the disappearing bonuses, but it doesn't have to be a bonus email, but you just want to be calling out a feature. And like, if you want to add a case study that specifically speaks to this feature or testimonial, even more amazing. So that is the one, two, three, fourth email. The fifth email is the FAQ, but it's not an FAQ. We're going to call it the conversion FAQ because your FAQ are not your frequently asked questions. If you are getting in a launch or have gotten before, and if you've never launched before, you won't know. It's okay. You're just going to take note. Like you're just gathering information. If you're getting support related questions, if you're getting confusion, if you're getting detailed related questions, how long is this program? Do I have to do it in a certain amount of time? 
do you actually show up and help me or am I all on my own? Is this, do I get printouts? Are you going to mail me something? Those are support related and user experience related questions. That's information you need to make sure you cover in your copy. So if you're getting those questions, that's really good to know. That is a frequently asked questions, but your job is to go back and make sure that those details are clearly covered in your copy. Your FAQs that go on your sales page and your emails is going to reflect the hesitations that someone would have around not buying your program. We are not tackling objections. We're not overcoming objections. We're not telling someone you can't afford not to do this, right? Like, <laughs> like stop it. Go to your room. Stop it. Go to like, your room. <laughs> nobody wants their very real thought or experience to be tackled. Like how disrespectful is that? Right. But if someone is saying, I don't know if I'm ready for this yet, maybe they're not. So maybe in your FAQ, you're like, the question is like, how do I know if I'm ready? Then you literally help them answer that. If you are still doing X, Y, and Z or still working on X, Y, and Z, then you may not be right for this. But if you're ready for this, if you've already accomplished this, like tell them what qualifies them. Right. If someone's saying like, I actually really struggle to address budget on FAQs because it just, I just don't feel like that's my place. Like, who am I to tell someone what they can and cannot afford? But if someone, maybe someone's asking, like, if it is like an ROI related thing, like, what ROI can I expect to see? So maybe in that question, I will say, like, nothing is guaranteed. Results are going to vary. It completely depends on a lot of things. Some can be completely outside of your control, but these are some average results, not my like biggest sexiest. These are some average results. Other students have seen three, six, nine months after one, two, three weeks in whatever. And if you're talking about ROI, you can say like, however, if this is going to like prevent you from meeting your other responsibilities, this is going to make you struggle to put food on the table. If this is going to keep you from paying off your credit card, like don't do it. Right. So what are those hesitations? Like but I don't have enough time. That's a great FAQ. How much time is this going to take? Or what if I don't have enough time? The answer is not. Of course you do. Help them actually figure out whether they do or not, or like paint a realistic picture. So what are those hesitations or objections that people are using to disqualify themselves and then use the FAQ to help them self-vet in or out, right? Help them self-qualify or disqualify themselves. So take your FAQs and use them for like, that's conversion copy. That's not information. If you're getting support related questions, go make sure that's in your copy and it's in the details somewhere else. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then the last one that I would say you, you should definitely have is the quote unquote cart close. So whether it's an evergreen funnel, whether it's open enrollment and it never ends, whether it's a true cart, like cart open, cart close, just let them know when your promotion is ending, right? Like, Hey, tonight at midnight, today at six o'clock, tomorrow at six o'clock. Like this is what's going to change. The discount goes away. This extra one-on-one bonus call goes away. Um, The cart closes because this is true cohort style or like, actually guess what? Nothing changes. It's open enrollment. So if you decide that it's right for you, that's fine. Just letting you know, like I am capping it at a certain point, right? Just like give them the information, but let them like, just don't leave them hanging. Let them know that the promotion is ending. And then what are the circumstances around the promotion ending? Um, If it is true urgency and scarcity, you do want to communicate that, but don't manufacture it. Right. And if you need to have some urgency and scarcity, which yes, it does increase sales, like for a short time, but I'm not sure it really increases sales over a long period of time, but just communicate the information to them. Just let them know this is what's ending. This is what's changing. So those are the six that I would say, if you're only sending out six emails, use those. 
use one as a cart open to announce the promotion starting, use one as a cart close. And then again, in the cart close, just you don't just need to say, well, it's ending. Give them more details. Hey, just want to let you know if you're on the fence. This is everything that you need to know. This is what's included. This is what you can do. This is um, this is an outcome. This is whatever. And give them all the information. And the other thing I'll say is the one reason I didn't include social proof as its own email, if you're doing more than six emails, yes, I would love you to have a case study or two or five. I would yeah. love you to have testimonials. I'd love them to represent people who do not look, live, and love just like you because just because something worked for you does not mean it's going to work for someone else, especially if they have a different life circumstance. And if you're the only person who's ever gotten results, please, please, please just don't be selling your stuff yet. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, like it's you can help people for free, but like if it's only worked for you, do not tell other people it will work for them. But you should be weaving social proof throughout all of your emails. Yeah. And if you have the capacity to write a specific case study and specific testimonials, and yes, maybe you want to include the average big wins, but maybe also like that, that small minimum viable win or like the easiest, you know, quickest win or whatever. So yeah, social proof should definitely be woven through all of them. But if you're only doing six, those are the ones that I recommend. Okay. That's amazing. And by the way, I was checking all my emails and my case studies always had the best conversion. So mm -hmm. I went back and I looked at, um, right before we hopped on, I looked at some of my clients' conversion rates and then my last conversion rates are the last two launches and the ones that, so like my cart open got a 68% open rate and a 25.9% click-through rate. That's wow. stupid. The belief shift emails got uh, 41 and 48% open rate and 3.5% and 1.87% click-through rate, much um, larger audience the second time with that 1.6. The case study testimonial emails, 51% open rate, 6.2% click-through rate. Another belief shift one, 44% open rate, 1.4% click-through rate. Like not, not super, super high, but I'm more than happy with that. Um, the let them off the hook, 47%, 2.2% open rate. Um, and then cart close, 47.2 and 2.5 open rate. So like these are big numbers and like, yes, the larger the audience, the slightly lower your conversion rates, unless they're like super segmented and targeted, but yeah. that's very consistent with what I see with my clients with like those specific emails. Like those are ones that specifically represent like let them off the hook, the belief shift, the product tour, feature focus, FAQ, cart close. Yeah. I just was like glancing at some of mine too. And it's so fun. I love diving into that stuff. I love hearing it. And oh my gosh, this was amazing. You taught so much. I really appreciate it. I feel like I should have made this a training. <laughs> you just put it behind a paywall. Yeah. But I mean, that, I mean, it's like such your nature to be open and transparent, but really this is for, I just can't stress this enough. Like some of you are going to start dabbling in this. You're going to start loving it. You're going to start nerding out. And that's just like a little bit of a, a lighthouse leading you the way of what you should explore. And I know for me, I was very intimidated when I'm in a room full of copywriters. And like, at what point do I call myself a copywriter? And and when do I know to go down this path? Do you have yeah. advice for that marketing assistant who feels like she might want to go there? Yeah, definitely. Just the idea of like, why not me? Like you have to have it in your head. And then yes, you do have to go get some hard skill. Like it's not responsible to take $5,000 from a client if you've never written copy before, right? But you don't have to have a million case studies. Like, Go get some hard skill. There is a ton of incredible free information, a ton of incredible 
paid information about copywriting skill. And with copy skill, I say, learn as you go. If you're writing a sales page, go study sales page training. Like, yes, learn enough to get those first um, projects and know enough to be dangerous, but like, you don't have to like learn and learn and learn and learn and study, and study, 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 study until you're like so brilliant. Because guess what? If you spend years studying and ever building a business, like you're not gonna have any clients to write for. So know enough to be dangerous, price yourself responsibly for those first few clients. Yes. Don't underprice yourself. Zero is too low. If you're spending more than like a week on it, $500 is too low, but you can price yourself responsibly and then continue to grow your skill as you're writing those individual things. And then trust yourself to find what you love and do not be afraid to stop doing one thing. Like you can go all in like, I'm an email copywriter. I'm an email copywriter. And then be like, I hate email. Great. I'm a sales page copywriter. I'm a sales page copywriter. Like it's fine. Just like pick a thing and then make sure you really like it. But like, it's easy to get burnt out. So just keep switching until you find the thing that you really like. Yeah. Like permission to explore the variety and have fun with it. Yeah. And another reason I like having you on the show too, is sometimes we get in these situations where we see our client needs help. It's not our thing. It's not our scope. We're not ready for that. So what kind of clients are you working with, with your agency? So we could refer the work to you. Yeah. So my clients are established business owners. They usually have a pretty significant like list and audience and, and budget for their launch and their marketing campaigns. They're using some more advanced launch strategies, sometimes even more simple, but just like the tools and resources are there. And you know, my launch package starts at 20,000 and we're, we're raising it to 25,000 in uh, January. So that's definitely like the budget they have. And they they also have the list to see like a million dollars come in out of that. So like I said, they have online programs or courses or mentorship opportunities. And above all, they just really give a shit about being responsible and who they're speaking to and are willing to examine perspectives that are not their own. So that's really important as well, because they do a lot of, we really work to like optimize their offer and optimize their messaging. And a lot of times we find out like, there's a lot of people in your audience that actually have a very different lived experience than you. And that's incredible that they're trusting you, but like, we're not speaking to them. So that collaboration and openness is really important as well. Yeah. That's awesome. That's good to know. And some of our clients, like some of the DMAs who've been with me for a couple of years, their clients are getting to that level. And it's been so fun to watch them over the last two, three years grow. So that's nice to know. And then also, can you just speak about your copywriting program too? Oh, sure. Yeah. I teach a program called the five figure leap, which like, I kind of hate the name. I hate that it's figure in it. The baseline of what we're focusing on is what it takes to get your business to a business that can command a five figure contract. So it's not about five figure months, but like that first $10,000 contract really focusing on the systems and processes and business strategy with some very plug and play like templates and tools and SOPs and systems and Trello boards and all of that, but also the training behind everything it takes to attract, convert, and then deliver to high ticket premium clients at a five-figure price tag. Awesome. And some of you listening, you might be getting to that. So just go follow Brittany. Where's the best place to connect with you? I'm on YouTube and you're going to be able to hear the most from me in my email list. I'm pretty inconsistent on Instagram, but my marketing manager is telling me we have to be more consistent. So I'll be on there more, but yeah, email <laughs> list is definitely the, the best place. Do you have a freebie? Here. I didn't see one on here. Yeah. The one that I think might fit the best for this conversation is one that I call nine ways to write more better. And it's not as much about like how to get more sales with your copy. It's just about how to write with more personality and kind of give yourself permission to stop being so stiff, which is going to really impact how these emails convert. 
Brittany, thanks for being here on the show, sharing your knowledge, helping us kind of, you know, help our clients have better launches, be more aligned, be more authentic and ethical, as I put in air quotes. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. hope you enjoyed this episode. Would you please share on Instagram stories and tag both Brittany and I? We would love to hear from you. We would love to know if this podcast helped you. I know this is something I would have liked to have known a good eight years ago. So I really appreciate Brittany going above and beyond and breaking down these emails. So also go grab her freebie. It's called Nine Ways to Write More Better. Inside, she has 13 pages of real-life copywriting examples, nine easy rules that you can follow, and specific examples of write this. So this will totally help you step up as a digital marketing assistant. And then don't forget to sign up for Behind the Launch with Brenda McGowan. That's happening January 23rd through 27th. You can grab a free seat if you decide to do the VIP upgrade. It's only $27, and all of the proceeds get donated to charity. All right, next week on the show, we're going to keep the launch conversation going and get into Facebook launch ads. I'll see you then. If you want to start earning income as a digital marketing service provider or digital marketing assistant, you only need your laptop. You can tap into what online business owners really need help with by downloading my top 10 most requested tasks. These are the services I did for years for my clients behind the scenes. You can take this download and apply it to your own business and start by offering these very same services. If you want to niche down in digital marketing, this is your guide. Just use the link in the show notes or go to emilyreaganpr.com slash services. I get it. Like layers, layers get you, gives you options. Yeah. Very versatile. How can we tie that into copywriting and writing? Right. <laughs>